He hails from the island of Samoa. He has a diverse background in many areas and is a man of many talents. He's also a man of very high character. After playing football as a kid, he made the transition into coaching, where he has guided those in the next generations for over 30 years. Now, he's taken his talents and gifts to the airwaves of the podcast world. From the comfort of his favorite chair, here's your host, Coach Joe New. Hey, welcome to our podcast today, coaches. I am very excited to introduce a man from uh, Kansas City. His name is David Smell, and uh, we're really excited to have you on the show today, David. It's good to be here, Joe. Well, great. Well, David, let's start off uh, at telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into uh, uh, sports writing and reporting. Well, I, I grew up around sports. Uh, my mom had five younger brothers, the, the youngest of which was just 10 years older than I, and so uh, I would always go to their games, and, and be, they were always interested in sports, so I became interested in sports. I joked that I could count to 720 before I started kindergarten because that's how many cards were in a baseball card set, and I had to be able to put them in order. 721, totally irrelevant. There wasn't a card number 721, so I didn't have to worry about that number. Uh, I learned to read by reading baseball cards, and I could do all that before I started kindergarten, and that was what, what was important to me. And so sports has always been a really important part of my life, and when I was right out of college, went to work for a newspaper in New York and um, started, started writing and found out that I really loved it and then realized that I was good at writing term papers because I could write. <laughs> and I, had, I always thought everybody should be able to wait until the night before to write a term paper uh, and do well. I didn't do really well in tests, but I did well on term papers because I could express myself. And I realized later that that was a gift. All right. So being a sports writer, did you play uh, sports growing up? What was that experience for you? Uh, we lived in a neighborhood um, just like any suburban neighborhood. And, but our house sat on the front corner of the lot. So our side yard was basically the the depth of the whole yard and we had on the side yard we had 20 bushes that were five feet apart so those were our five yard markers and then for some reason there was a gap between the big bush that was the back of the end zone and there was also a gap of 10 feet to the back fence so that was the back of the other end zone so we played football during football season I was probably 10 years old before I realized that we were the ones that put the bare spots in the grass where the bases should be we thought how cool that our yard had spots where the bases should be, bare spots. And we had a basketball court in our backyard, so whatever was in season, that's what we played. And the neighborhood kids all came to our yard to play. So playing sports was always a part of, of my life. I wasn't any good. You know, I was average athlete at best, but I just loved playing. I learned a lot of the things that we learn in sports, uh, competitiveness, playing with, as a team, things like that, <clears throat> that, that have come in handy as I've become an adult. Well, that's amazing because, you know, as coaches or athletes, we always wondered if sports writers were actually true athletes <laughs> because when they write sometimes you're wondering, hey, has this guy ever played any kind of sport before? And it sounds like you understand the athlete and the coach, right? I, I do. And I, you know, I, I write about sports from my own personal experience. Uh, I'm a history buff, so I a lot of what I like to do is write about sports history. 
Uh, a lot of this, I, I cover sporting events. You know, I cover the, the Royals and the Chiefs in Kansas City, Sporting Kansas City, which is our MLS club. Uh, I cover uh, college and football and basketball. Um, I didn't play college or professional sports, but I, but I followed them for so long. I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp of it. I couldn't draw a good inbounds pass inbounds play on basketball you know I couldn't draw the perfect setup for a screen pass but I know one when I see one well Dave, how long have you been doing this the writing and uh, reporting on sports I, I started when I was in college uh, and then my first my first job uh, out of college was in uh, the spring of 1982 graduated in 81 and spring of 1982 I lived in New York and uh, Newsday was our newspaper, fairly uh, popular newspaper now even, but um, they released the NCAA tournament bracket on the Monday after the, the tournament was announced, and they had the bracket wrong. They had North Carolina and Memphis, who were both number one seeds, playing each other in the first round. And so being shy, I, I called the newspaper and I said, uh, you guys have the bracket wrong. And they said, well, you must have gotten an early edition. It came across the wire incorrectly. And so we corrected it in later editions. And I said, well, you need somebody to work for you that recognizes when the wire copy isn't correct so you don't make fools of yourselves. Because I was subtle, too. <laughs> and, and I said, so when can I come in for an interview? And that was on a Monday, and I started working on Thursday. And that was March of 1982, and I've been doing it ever since. Wow. And I recognize, David, that you've written a lot of books on the history of sports or a history of coaches. Now, there's one particular uh, book that I know you've written about, uh, Coach Wooden. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell me that experience when you wrote that uh, biography with Coach Wooden. It was really the book that I did with Coach Wooden was uh, on the history of Pauley Pavilion. Uh, I talk about it as the history of UCLA basketball because that's the main topic uh, of that book. But it was really the history of Pauley Pavilion uh, which also housed the Olympics uh, gymnastics, gymnastics competition in the 84 Olympics. Um, and they also, UCLA had a very uh, dominant uh, indoor volleyball, men's volleyball program. So I got to know Karch Karai through that. Um, but it was really through that. And it was a case where I, I was brave enough to send a, uh, send a letter to the sports information director asking for permission to do this. And, and uh, they agreed. And I got to know Coach Wooden through that and spent time in his home and I uh, would call him every year on his birthday and uh, later in his life. And so he didn't move real well. So he, he kept the phone in uh, the room away from where he spent most of his time. So it would take him a while. So he would be able to listen to the answering machine. And if it was somebody he wanted to talk to, he'd pick up the phone. And if it wasn't, he would let it go to voicemail. And if he really didn't want to talk to him, he wouldn't call him back. Uh, and Almost every time I'd call him on his birthday, he would pick up the phone. I felt very honored uh, by that. But I got to know him really well, um, and and I still I still carry his phone number, even though he's been deceased for about 12 years now. I still have his phone number in my phone. And if you're in a sitting in a gathering and somebody says, "Well, my grandmother's gardener is next door neighbors to so and so," and then it goes around and you get people talking about who they know, and I met this guy and such and such. And very slowly, I'll pull out my phone and I'll, uh, yeah, here's here's Coach Wooden's home phone number, and the game ends. You know? <laughs> so I like I like doing that. So you know, we've heard a lot of 
growing up in L.A. myself and heard a lot about um, Coach Wooden and, you know, growing up when he was there and Bill Walton and all the great athletes that they have. And lots of people speak so highly of Coach Wooden. Now, I've never met him myself at all, but is he everything that people say he is? Yeah, I, I you know, he, he was, I think, still um, – if not the greatest college basketball coach ever, certainly, certainly one of them. He would downplay that. He would say, if what, you know, winning seven straight championships, if it was, if it's, if it can never be done again because it's harder now than it was back then, then why wasn't it done before when it would have been easier? You know, it's there. I see the logic behind that, but he, he is one of the great coaches, but he, he did not consider himself a coach. He considered himself a teacher. Uh, his his trade when he was in school was, <clears throat> excuse me, he was a, a teacher, and you know he was a, a high school teacher and also coached. And he when he taught when he coached basketball, he taught basketball. But he, the, there are some amazing stories about him. Some he told me. Most some of the some of his players told me about um, the respect that he commanded. And my favorite story you mentioned Bill Walton. Bill told me this story when I was doing that book, <clears throat> excuse me, um, said that, and this was, everyone remembers, every, everyone who remembers Bill Walton as a player remembers he was a bit of a rebel. You know, that's, that's understated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was a big protester of the Vietnam War in the early 70s. And Bill came back for his senior season at UCLA, which would have been the fall of 73. And Coach Wooden had a rule that if you played on his team, you could not, your hair could not be, longer than your shirt collar and you could have no facial hair and he had spent the summer protesting the Vietnam War and he showed up for the first day of practice with long hair and a beard and the first day of practice unlike what it is today they would you know he'd say okay here are the rules this is our schedule for every day of practice this is how we'll do it and he would go through those rules and he would say okay tomorrow we're going to start practicing but his first day was just a meeting with the players and he got all through and he said, now, um, Bill, uh, you know my rule about facial hair and, and long hair. And he said, yes, coach, I do. And he said, uh, you've got long hair and, and, and you've got a beard. And he said, well, coach, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's fair that you, that you can tell me how I wear my hair. And Wooden stood there for a second and he said, you know, son, you're right. We're gonna miss you. <laughs> and this was the two-time def- national or defending national player of the year, right? Who was the star of his team that at that point had won seven straight national championships, and he basically said, "If you want to wear your hair this way, do it somewhere else, not on my team." And I said, "I mean, I, first time I heard that story, and I've heard it several times, but the first time I heard that was Bill telling me this. I said, "What did you do?" He said. I got on my bike and I went to the barber shop and they cut my hair and shaved my beard. <laughs> I wanted to play on the team. I wanted to play for Coach Wooden. And so that's the kind of respect he had. And I think that's one of the things that's missing today because our, our athletes, our students, our kids, you know, are so empowered to express themselves that they don't respect authority the way they used to. And, and uh, some say we're better for that, and, and that may be true, but there's, there's parts of it that – um, you know, that we're suffering because of that. You know, David, that's a great point. You know, the, the athletes, and, and you've been around 
the athletes of, of like coaches like Coach Wooden to uh, Bill Snyder at Kansas State to mm -hmm. the young kids today to the kids back in the you know 70s early 80s. Um, what would you say is the biggest change from the time you started writing about coaches and athletes to today? The biggest change I would say is, um, and I and I think it's unfortunate, is is the lack of respect for authority. Um, you know, even even like the NBA, and I'm not a big fan of the NBA. Uh, I like college basketball, but uh, much more than than NBA. But the coaches are just caretakers. They're just making sure the superstar ha athletes are happy because they can get them fired. Uh, and it's, that's trickled down to the college ranks and probably even to a certain extent to the high school ranks. So the, the, the lack of authority, lack of, the lack of respect for authority mm -hmm. is probably the biggest change. Wow, yeah, and there is changes. I mean, back in your day, <laughs> yeah, make me sound old. I'm two years older than you. <laughs> they had pay phones, right? Well, yeah. we had pay phones. Yeah. And today now it's a flip phone or, you know, yeah. an iPhone, right? I mean, it's changed so much. Sports has changed so much. And, uh, you know, from a reporter's perspective, what are questions today when you're talking to a pro coach or a college coach or high school coach? How different is the questions today than it was maybe back in the day that you were with other coaches then? You know, I, that I don't think is that different because especially when I'm interviewing coaches or, or athletes for a game story or a preview of a game story or something like that, as opposed to a feature story, as opposed to doing something for a book, I'm asking about that day's game, about their respect for their opponent, about their strategy, or if it's post-game, you know, why did you make this decision? Um, why, you know, tell me about facing this pitcher. Tell me about seeing that that t defense blitz whatever the case may be it's very straightforward and the game hasn't changed that much there's nuances that have changed but it's still if you score more points or more runs than the other team you win the game right and so <clears throat> that side of it really hasn't changed a whole lot you might use different words you might you know when you're in front of a you know a cluster of reporters you might see some guys using their phones to do a video recording that they're going to put on their web page, uh, you know, of interviewing that guy later, rather than just all of us holding a tape recorder. But the questions themselves and the approaching, approaching athletes and coaches isn't that different. Hmm. Tell me the – I know you've interviewed lots of coaches and stuff. Tell me the most interesting conversation you've had with a coach that you went, huh, this is not what I thought – uh, about this coach or what he, how he would answer this question? <clears throat> I'm not going there. <clears throat> um, I, I will tell you some, some funny exchanges. How about that? Okay. Well, well, you, you told me earlier that I could direct this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change your question <laughs> to the funniest things. Um, I, my uncles are Major League Baseball agents, uh, the uncles that got me in, interested in sports when I was a kid. They're Major League Baseball agents, and one of their former – players that they represented was a guy named Ned Yost who later became the manager of the Royals and just retired after last season and I got to know Ned pretty well as a reporter as one of the guys that irritated the heck out of him before every game because we'd ask him his strategy and Ned was he was a cantankerous old fella and he liked being disagreeable you know not a cloud in the sky say Ned beautiful blue sky no 
it's a beautiful blue sky. He would say no was his, his first response almost every time and then come back and agree with you. But he had to, you know, it's like he had to be difficult. And we, we laughed about it. You know, the, most of the reporters didn't take it personally. The young guys were like, oh, Ned doesn't like me, you know. But most of us realized that was just Ned being Ned. Uh, in fact, the, for a while in Kansas City, when, they, when he would answer, one of the, uh, answer a new reporter's question like that, we'd say, yeah, you just got yosted. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one, one day after, well, let me backtrack a little bit. Uh, he was one of the clients. One day I was in my mom's house, and one of my uncles, Alan Hendricks, was there, and we were just chatting about some of the players that, that he represented, and, and his phone blows up. And he looks at it, and he holds it out, and he goes, it's a buddy of yours. And it says, Ned Yost. And I was like, I didn't say anything. You know, I, I, Alan talked to him for a couple of minutes, and he hung up. And, and I said, he's not a buddy of mine. I said, he's a pain in the neck to deal with. He will argue with you when he agrees, you know. And so the next time I was covering a game, I was part of that group of reporters, and I'm standing out there, and he's being particularly difficult. And so he gets through, and he goes, you done? And I'm like, yeah, we're fine. And he kind of pushes his way through the cluster, and he walks up the steps because we always do it in the dugout. And so as he walks by me, I said, Ned, ignored me. He gets to the top step. I said, Ned, he ignores me. Finally, I go, Ned. And he turns around. At this point, I'm at the top of the steps, and he's probably 10 feet away from me. And he goes, what do you want? And I said, I just want to know, I wanted you to know that we have a mutual acquaintance. He said, who's that? And I said, Alan Hendricks, well, he just, I mean, his countenance changed completely. He goes, how do you know Alan? I said, well, he's my uncle. Well, I knew he had a nephew who was in sports. And man, all of a sudden, we're best buds. <laughs> and so I would ask him, a, a, you know, in other media sessions, I'd ask him a question, and he'd, I'd get yosted occasionally. But then as, as he'd walk by afterwards, he'd pat me on the shoulder, how's Alan doing, you know? So a, a couple of years ago, after the season, we every year the, the manager will have a wrap-up press conference where it talks about you know how the season went talks about changes that he's expecting stuff like this and he was going to make changes to his entire entire coaching staff well most of his coaching staff and re replacing the coaches that were integral in them winning two straight American League pennants in one World Series and those guys came on when Moustakas and Hosmer and Kane and Escobar and guys like that were young guys and they helped them develop. Well, his rationale was for bringing new, new guys in is they were going to have a really young team. And I thought, well, that's kind of similar to what, <laughs> you know, the, what, he, what that staff did with the earlier group. So I'm in the press conference and raise my hand, and uh, Mike Swanson calls on me, and I said, Ned, you talked about the fact that this new group of coaches uh, is, is geared towards training the young guys. And I said, I don't want you to throw anybody under the bus, but the crew that you're letting go, the crew of coaches that you're letting go, were instrumental in bringing Hosmer and Moustakis and these guys up. And I didn't finish my question. And he's like, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. And he just blasts me to the point where I was getting more than yosted. I was getting roasted. <laughs> and the other reporters are kind of looking at me funny. And so he answered my question sort of by basically saying it's just time for a change which he could have said without blasting me. Um, and so Mike Swanson, the PR guy, says, okay, any other questions? And everyone's looking around like, I don't want to get that. So we don't say anything. And it's the end of the season, so we're not going to see Ned for 
four months. Right. And so all the reporters come up and thank him for the all the fun we've had this year. And and I was the last one to walk up there. He goes, David, how are you? Good to see you. You know, it'll be tell Alan I said hi. And it was like we're all long lost buddies. After five minutes earlier, he's pinning me to the wall with his spear. You know, so <clears throat> some some coaches, some athletes too, but mo- but some coaches think it's their job to just make life miserable for the reporters when they don't have to. Um, I still email Ned, text him every once in a while. <clears throat> um, I always text him on his birthday, you know. He always texts back, thanks, my friend. You know, we're buddies because I don't have to ask him questions about why he brought this pitcher in, you know, at the start of an inning instead of waiting until, you know, later inning or whatever. Yeah, it seems to me like no matter – where you play sports, probably more college and professional, that there's a love-hate relationship between sports writers and coaches uh, and the media in general. Um, Do you see, like, where the athletes and coaches come from sometimes when when they complain about the sports writers? Or do you feel like it's that the coaches don't understand you have a job to do? Uh, Tell me a little bit about that. I do see their side of it because sometimes they get some of the dumbest questions. <clears throat> and I'm not a big Bob Knight fan, but he is uh, – some of his responses to some of those really stupid questions are hilarious. Like <clears throat> at a Final Four one year, <clears throat> pardon me, a, a, a reporter asked him if the day the, at the practice the day before he felt his players were ready. But the way he did it, he said, did your players – have their game face on and this is an audio recording not a video so you can't see this but Bob Knight goes I don't know what's a game face and he starts contorting his face all over the place I'm sure every other reporter except the guy that asked that question was cracking up that guy probably was a little embarrassed by it but um, so I do see their side of it but I think to answer the second part of that question I'm you know when I question Ned Yost for example on why he brought a particular pitcher in. Uh, I think about the wild card game in 2014 when he brought in a guy who had never pitched in relief. He brought him in in relief, and he got shelled. And it turned out they ended up winning the game anyway. And, you know, when we ask, why did you bring Jordano Ventura in in relief when you had these relievers who were used to being relievers, you know, we're not trying to say, Ned, you're an idiot. We're – we're trying to, um, you know, we're, we're simply asking questions because the people that we're writing for or if we're in, in radio, the people we're, we're broadcasting to want to know the answer to that. So, you know, we want them, we just need to know their answer for it because we could give all the conjecture we want about why Ned did that, but we want, we want it from them if they'll answer it. So you don't have to blast us for a question that may make you awkward. You know, we just answer the question and, and let's move on. Well, if you don't ask stupid questions, maybe that answer you right, right? Sometimes that's true. <laughs> Sometimes they're going to answer us, you know, beautiful blue sky out here. No, it's no. not. It's a beautiful blue sky. So it just depends on the, uh, on the guy. You know, we've got, a, we've got a guy who had spent some time here in Colorado, and Mike Matheny now, and, and Mike's, Mike's great. We love him. He'll, he'll answer your question. He'll say, did I answer your question or do you have a follow-up? You know, it's great to have somebody like that. All right. 
Well, yeah, like you said, there's always a love-hate relationship, but there's also uh, relationships that writers have or reporters have with athletes that last a long time yep. or with coaches. So it, it goes both ways. Yeah, for I'm, sure. I'm sure people that are listening at the podcast – uh, are saying, man, answer, uh, asking more difficult questions to reporters, right? All the, all the guys that – and that's why it's nice to have you in studio so I can ask you all the questions that you, normally you're the one asking the questions, yeah. and it's, it's the other way around today uh, in our studio, me asking you questions. So you're getting some buzzed into you about oh, yeah. drilling I, about I, yeah. this Right one? now I'm getting emails or texts <laughs> from all my buddies right now asking this question. Now, obviously, you're here in the beautiful state of Colorado, and you're here for a reason. And I know that the people out there, all the coaches that are listening to the podcast, they cannot see in this studio that he's wearing a real red, bright Kansas City Chiefs uh, coat. And I'm not I'm, – I'm pretty sure I wish I can spray paint it and it says Bronco on it, but he won't allow me to do that. But, David, tell me why you're here this weekend. Uh, <laughs> Here, I, I, he's got a mask in also. In COVID, I think I'll put my Kansas City Chiefs yeah, mask on. Yeah, he's got on, his so. Kansas City <laughs> mask on that will. But um, I know you've written a lot of books. We talked about that a little bit. Um, and I think it's fantastic that you're able to do that because not very many uh, reporters who can also write. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Right? Spoken like, like a true a coach. Book. Like write a book, yeah. right? I mean, you know. Yeah, we can, can't put full sentences yeah, together. I, I mean, we, half the time yeah. when I read some of your stuff, I'm yeah. like, what the heck is this guy writing about, you know? <laughs> but <laughs> but writing a book. So you're here in in Colorado. Obviously, the visit some friends and stuff. But you're also here to promote your book. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Well, while I'm here, the purpose of the trip was, was business and, and friendships and things like that. But I picked this particular this particular weekend to come because the Chiefs are playing the Broncos. And um, I found a, a place that calls itself a Chiefs bar, and Chiefs fans gather at this place uh, to watch games. And since the Chiefs are playing at the Broncos, I thought this would be a good opportunity to come and talk to them about my book. And it's called The Keys to the Kingdom, an illustrated timeline of the Kansas City Chiefs. And it covers the entire history of the franchise beginning with the founding of the AFL, and, and they were part of it. They were actually the Dallas Texans for the first three years. Um, and it, so it covers their entire 60-year history, culminating with the Super Bowl championship in February of this year. Now, um, obviously, they can get this book. People that are listening to this podcast, they won't be able to go to uh, to that place you just named. What was the name of the place again? It's called Greg's, Greg's Kitchen and Tap House in downtown Denver. Right, so this podcast will come out in a few days, and if you go there, David won't, I won't be, be there. there. Yeah. But David, give them uh, your uh, my website. Website, there you yeah, go. That's, your that's website where, where they can get this book. The the books are available all the normal places, Amazon, places like that. But I make more money when they buy them from me, so I'm going to promote my website and not theirs. And it's just simply davidsmailbooks.com, and Smale is S M A L E. So davidsmailbooks.com. You'll see my Chiefs book. And you'll also see some of the other books that I've written recently. And uh, the Chief's book is number 21. 22 is at the publisher. And I'll actually be posting something on the website very soon with links to that. It'll be out in March, beginning of March. But it's on the history of bracketology. Uh, I've written stories for the Final Four program for the past 12, 13, 14 years. I've, I've lost track. And a couple of years ago, I did a story on Joe Lenardi. And we became friends, and 
I talked him into letting me do a book with him. And that one's coming out in March, just in time for next year's tournament. And it's called Bracketology, and that'll be on there as well. And you'll be able to order that as well. Now, are all your books on this website or just a few of these? Just the most recent ones, not the, the first. Uh, you could probably find a lot, of, a lot of the old ones on eBay, but um, people selling used copies because they're tired of reading my stuff. But just my, I think there might be six on there that are my most recent ones. And there's some really cool really cool ones there's you know most of my books have to do with sports there's a few that that aren't um but i did a book recently with a friend uh and the title of the book is blake and me the life lessons i've learned from the best teacher i ever had and it's with a guy who used to be a sportscaster in kansas city um and he has a uh, son with down syndrome who's 37 years old and it's it's him telling telling life lessons that are all related to sports that he learned from Blake. And people with Down syndrome um, really look at life simply, you know, and, and they look at life in an upbeat manner. <clears throat> and so he will tell, tell a story about Blake's athletic achievement in one way or another, and then relate it to what we can learn from that. And my favorite one uh, is celebrating small victories. Now, Blake's a pretty good athlete for someone with Down syndrome. He's in the Kansas Special Olympics Hall of Fame. Uh, for his lifetime of achievement in, uh, in sports. <clears throat> and he's a pretty good bowler. Uh, he averages 150 to 160, which is more than I average when I bowl. Um, and he's usually, you know, in that range. And this one day, Gordon was there watching him. <clears throat> and Blake was having a particularly tough time. And he, um, he was the first, well, the first nine frames, he had a zero every single time it was 10 feet past the line, it would go into the gutter. And he tried all kinds of adjustments and, and very unusual for Blake, he was getting frustrated. <clears throat> and Gordon tried to talk to him and he just, you know, he wanted, you could tell he wanted to do it himself. And finally he made an adjustment. So the second ball of the 10th frame, it's hanging on and it's hanging on and it's not going in the gutter and it's hanging on. And right before it falls into the gutter, it clips a number seven pin. And Blake turns around and shoots his hands up in the air and says, got one. And the subject is celebrate small victories. You know, if, you're, if your personal best in running a marathon is five hours where the world record's two hours and 12 minutes, and you run it in four hours and 59 minutes, celebrate it. You know, if your personal best is bowling an 80 and you bowl an 81, celebrate it. Don't say, man, I wish I could bowl a 281. Celebrate. And we tend to... We tend to overcomplicate. We tend to burden ourselves with unreal expect, unrealistic expectations. Celebrate small victories. And it's a series of stories like that. So that's what that book's about. I did a book uh, with a guy you know, Greg Thomas, who, who's uh, African-American, uh, married a white girl in 1980. And it wasn't until September 11 of 2001 that he was allowed in his in-law's house because they didn't approve of the mixed marriage. And it was... Let's, it's called Race in America, A Call to Heal, and it's not a woe is me book. It's a book about let's, let's take what we've learned, and, and we, you know, the, the racial tension in America is still very real, but it's better than it was 50 years ago, and it's a lot better than it was 150 years ago. Let's learn from our mistakes and get better, and so that's what that book is about. So there's other, other things other than just straight Chiefs history, though, the Chiefs history is pretty fun to write. Yeah. Well, congratulations on winning the Super Bowl. I know you're Thank pretty you. excited about that. Oh, yeah. 
Hey, David, thank you for coming in the studio and uh, giving of your time. My and, pleasure. Uh, we're uh, thankful that you're here. And for all of you coaches that are listening out there, until next time, peace out. Thanks for joining us on It's a New World. If you want more content, visit the Coach Colorado app to see more articles and stories about coaches. There you will also find more podcasts and other episodes of It's a New World. This podcast is also on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and Google Play. We'll see you next time on It's a New World. Do you have thoughts on sports or have questions about It's a New World? Find us on Twitter or Instagram at This New World for either social media site. You can also reach us at thisnewworld at gmail.com. If you want to contact Coach New or reach out to find other coaches in your area, download the Coach Colorado app on your device's app store. This podcast is copyrighted by Sport Report. Any other use of this podcast, It's a New World logo, or anything associated with this podcast without the express written consent of Sport Report is strictly prohibited.